This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Whether the action is at the link or the bank, there's never an off day on Broad Street. It's the biggest news of the day, every day, with takes from someone who's never short on them. It's WIP Daily with Joe Giglio. Welcome on in WIP Daily. Joe Giglio with you. Appreciate everyone downloading, subscribing, and, and of course, following the show here. And, and of course, our YouTube page, 94WIP, the YouTube page where myself, Tucker Bagley, put up our podcasts on, uh, you know, at least a few times a week we're on here doing these video podcasts. And Tucker's going to hop on in a few minutes as, you know, the Phillies went two out of three over the weekend against the Mets. And it felt like a gift. I mean, cer- certainly Sunday felt like a gift. I mean, I, my son is eight. He plays Little League now. That felt like one of his innings. His season just ended. Like, th- those kids can't throw strikes. They just hit each other. And everyone just walks around the bases. That that was that inning. But, look, the Phillies will take it. They're three games back of the Dodgers. You have the Giants, Marlins, Dodgers in that wild card lead right now. The Phillies among that next group back trying to kind of claw their way back to the postseason. And we know they need help. And we've thrown out the idea on this show of Paul Goldschmidt. I still really like that idea. But as you look forward with the Phillies' need and their biggest need, I think we could boil it down to this, and then we could figure out where they get that. As the pitching is stabilized, the bullpen has been really good, I'd say, since mid-April. We're, we're going on a month and a half, or more than that, two and a half months, of good pitching out of the bullpen. So the bullpen you feel good about. They even have some guys down at AAA I think they're going to eventually bring up, like Bellotti and bring him back to help this bullpen. So the bullpen feels good right now. The starting pitching has had an incredible run in the month of June, a really incredible run of starting pitching. So that's starting to feel better. The real glaring need is they need another bat. And I think specifically they need right-handed power. They need to replicate to the best they can what Reese Hoskins brought, which is combination of power and on base. Now, if they can get one or the other, I think they'll take it like a big power bat. Maybe he's not a great on base guy or the other way around where it's a, it's a great on-base guy, maybe not 30 home run power, but closer to 20, they'll, they'll take those things. So, you know, the idea of Paul Goldschmidt or a first baseman is pretty self-explanatory. It replaces Reese Hoskins, but it does still leave an issue that this team has that I think they can overcome, but I'm not going to pretend it's not an issue. Kyle Schwarber has been among the worst, if not the worst defensive player in all of baseball this season. So there's a, another school of thought, which is like, get an outfielder. 
move Kyle Schwarber back to DH, which is really what he should be, and cross your fingers that sometime next month around the trade deadline that Bryce Harper can play the field and play first base in an adequate level. Like the idea of get a left fielder, Bryce at first, Schwarber at DH makes you better than, let's say, Goldschmidt at first, keeping Schwarber in the outfit all year, and Bryce is just a DH. I, I don't think we're going to find any bat on the outfield market that is close to as impactful as as Paul Goldschmidt. Maybe the price will be less, and maybe the defense overall better. So I, I tried to find some outfielders that kind of fit this bill, and, and I found three names on three teams that are either all selling or look like they're trending towards selling, and I think they're all acquirable. It's a matter of what the Phillies are willing to give up. Do they want like a guy that's going to be here for years to come, let's say in left field, or more of a stopgap to hold them over where they recalibrate their entire operation, defense, all that stuff in the offseason. So here are the three names. We will end with probably the most fun name of this group. We'll start with the guy that's probably the least likely because of the cost factor, and then we'll go to the guy I think is probably the most likely. So let's go with least likely first, but probably the best player right now. And that is Lane Thomas, the left fielder, outfielder for the Washington Nationals. He's turning into a good player. So Lane Thomas this year, 27 years old, he's hitting 295. And you look at the list of players hitting above 300 in baseball, it's a really short list. I mean, it's obviously Luis Arise, and you go down, you'll find your Freddie Freemans in there. I mean, you'll find Nick Castellanos. But the list of guys that are over 300, very small. By the time you listen to this, watch this, Lane Thomas might be back over 300. He's having a really nice season. He has a slugging percentage over 500, so he hits the ball. He's a good contact hitter you know, in modern baseball, and hits for power. He has two and a half years left on his contract. So this is why this is going to be – if I'm the Nationals, I'm asking for something real for Lane Thomas. I mean, you're getting a guy that in the last two years, his per 162 average you know, season is a close to 60 extra base hits. I mean, this guy can hit, and he's in his prime right now. Two years left after this. I like Lane Thomas. I think he would improve the Phillies. You could see him easily sliding into the sixth spot in the order after whatever the combination of the top five is between Schwarber and Turner and Castellanos and Harper and Real Muto. You could see Lane Thomas batting six for this team down the stretch of the season into next year if whatever their experiment is defensively works out the way they want. I mean, if like if Bryce Harper is a first baseman moving forward, if he takes the position this year and is that moving forward – they're going to need a long-term outfield, corner outfielder because you would think one of, and likely Schwarber, one of Cassiano's Schwarber transition to DH every day in the future. So who's playing left field down the line? So I could see the Phillies attacking the Lane Thomas idea, Tucker, and, and almost thinking of it like Brandon Marsh last year, where this is the long-term answer in left field. This is probably the best left fielder that's going to get traded in the next couple of months. It's just a matter of how much like the Phillies willing to give up one of their real prospects to get this kid. Yeah, I mean, and this is a kid who has somewhat of a pedigree. Like, he was a, a fifth-round pick at the Cardinals. He got traded for John Lester a couple years ago, which I, I think we all remember the John Lester-Washington National days. Um, but you, you look at what he's done in his career. I mean, he's just a solid hitter, a career OPS plus of, of 113. Um, I, I don't think he profiles as a, a top-of-the-order bat, but for a team that's just desperate for consistent hitting, and I think we saw that this weekend, Someone like Lane Thomas would, would fit perfectly, you know, with Bryson Stott, with Alec Baum, kind of in that portion of the order. Um, after all the, you know, expensive twenty million plus guys that you have at the top. Yeah, I think he is going to be like the reason why it's going to be harder to get him is he's probably the guy all these teams that need a bat are going to go after. Like if you need a corner outfield bat, 
he might be the best one available, you know, because the extra wild cards, there's not that many teams that are selling anyway. So he, he, he could go for more than he actually is worth in terms of his, the player profile, but he's a good player. And I, and I think he would help the Phillies. So Lane Thomas is, is the first idea. And it's more of a long-term thought, kind of like when they went and traded for Brandon Marsh last year, it cost them Logan O'Hop, but look, they got a center field that they, they like Brandon Marsh. That's going to be here you know, last year, this year, and into the future. That could be this year if they like, you know, let's just say Mick Abel for, for Thomas is, is a conversation that happens over the next month or so. The second idea is probably the most attainable and feels the most Dave Dombrowski and, and feels like I'm almost going to be surprised. If the Phillies go the outfield route, if they don't acquire a first baseman, they say Bryce could play it. We're going after an outfielder. We need someone to play better defense in the outfield and hit for some pop. I mean, you, you might as well just write the name down put it in your pocket, and then a month from now you take it out and you say, oh, yeah, I wrote this down. Adam Duvall from the Boston Red Sox. I mean, th- this feels like a very Dave Dombrowski move. He's on a one-year $7 million deal. He's a veteran. He's been through – I mean, he's been through a lot of different kind of places in baseball and, and seen a lot of different things. I mean, he was a rookie on the 2014 Giants that won the World Series. He was an all-star in Cincinnati. He went to the Braves, and he hit 38 home runs. He made it – you know, he won a gold club. I mean, he's done a lot of different things and done some of this – as a center fielder. So he could play left field. I have no question he would be in a really, really big upgrade in left field over Kyle Schwarber. And the thing about uh, Adam Duvall that's been interesting over the years watching him, his power has grown. I mean, he, he wasn't a 30-something home run guy, and, and that was kind of a blip. But he wasn't that, and I never thought that was coming when he was young. And then he grew into that. But, you know, pretty consistently now, if you look the last four years, he's hit for pretty good power. So in the last four, since the start of the 2020 season, Adam Duvall has hit 71 home runs. To put that in a little perspective of, of the kind of power profile he has, Nick Castellanos has hit 70. And I'm not saying we look at Castellanos as one of baseball's best power hitters, but he does have some pop. We know that. He's, he's supposed to be a 20-plus home run guy, 20-25 home run guy, and the one year hit you know 30-plus with the Reds. But Duvall has more home runs than him playing center field, not a corner a lot of that time, over the last four seasons. So this guy hits for some pop. And – you look at his numbers this year. He was hurt for a while in Boston. He's back now. So it's like, all right, you know, his numbers aren't jumping out. I don't know if the market for him at his age, 34, and a one-year deal is going to be over the top. I don't, this is not going to cost a ton. And although the Red Sox are still in the race here, Boston, that division is so good in the American League East that I think it's it's a pretty decent bet that the Red Sox are going to finish in last and may, and miss the playoffs even if they're not that far back of, you know, whatever, the Yankees and the Blue Jays, they're not as good as the Blue Jays, I, I don't think. They're not close to the Orioles this year. They're not the same stratosphere as the Rays. You know, they might be on par with the Yankees, but that's like, you know, what, what are we talking about? Maybe third, fourth place in the East. I, I think the Red Sox probably have to be realistic about this, and they could justify trading away a guy like Adam Duvall is not part of their future. You know, they could kind of say, we're still in it, we're still going for it, but sell off parts like this. They kind of remind me of, of last year's San Francisco Giants, where at the, you know, kind of around the trade deadline, they didn't trade Carlos Rodon. They didn't move on from their best guys because they still wanted to make a push. And I think they may have finished like right after the Brewers. They were like maybe the next wave of the wild card race last year, around 500. So they didn't get rid of everyone, but they also got rid of Pete Little pieces. They moved on from like three or four or five, you know, fringe players that could help contenders. I think that's this year's Red Sox. Adam Duvall. He, he could hit, I mean, he could hit home runs, and he could play left field here, and he's a right-handed power bat. 
Tucker, I, I think Duvall feels like a very Dave Dombrowski move here at the. Yeah, and he's a guy I think a lot of people are familiar with. Um, he, he's been around a, a long time. You mentioned what he did with the Braves. The one thing that worries me is he's really struggled since coming back from the IL. Um, he, he had an unbelievable start to the season, like an OPS uh, of 1,500. And then he broke his wrist, and he came back beginning in June. I think he's sitting like 160 since. He's got an OPS of 574 in um, his 50 at-bats since he's come back from the DL. So it might be something that's just taken a little bit of time for him to, to get back on track and, and figure things out and find his power again. But if you know we're a month away and you pull that piece of paper you mentioned out of your pocket and you look at Adam Duvall, I'd be a little worried that he's still hitting under 200 since he came back because this hasn't shown up yet. And he's, you know, got two hits since June 20th. So he, he's not necessarily lighting the world on fire right now in Fenway. Yeah, he's not. It's, it's been cold for him. Now, if he heats up, I'm sure the market for him, teams will want him. You know, he's got about a month here to get going in the Red Sox to market him. And here's the last name. Let's get to name number three. Probably my favorite name on this list because it's an old friend. And I think, in a sense, there's almost some unfinished business here because I thought his tenure here was was just ruined by by an unfortunate injury at just the wrong time. We all remember what happened in June of 2019. Andrew McCutcheon is having a really impressive bounce back season, late career. I'm not a, a surgeon, but he's just playing well for the Pittsburgh Pirates, who I'm sure wouldn't be easy for them to trade him because part of signing him was bringing him back, bringing him home where he started. I don't know how many tickets he's selling, but like he, there's a connection there. He's an MVP for the Pittsburgh Pirates. They brought him back late stage of his career to help a young team. Now, the Pirates were a great story in April. They've faded unbelievably since. Even in that division, which is pretty wide open, mediocre, I don't think they have enough to win it. They're not as good as the Reds. They're not as good as the Brewers. I don't think they're as good as the Cubs. I don't think the Pirates really have any chance to make the playoffs. So if they could get something from McCutcheon, they should. If you look right now, Andrew McCutcheon is not, has the ninth best on-base percentage in baseball. Like Not in the NL, not in the NL Central, not among outfielders. In all of baseball, he's almost at a 400 on-base. He's on pace for 20 home runs and an on-base around 400. I mean, the Phillies could realistically insert him back as the leadoff guy if they wanted, if they wanted to drop Schwarber down or like that sixth spot in the order to reset the lineup. Phillies that a little bit when he was here, when he wasn't hitting leadoff early in his tenure. It couldn't cost a lot. Now, that one downside, I'm, I'm sure Tucker will, will talk about this, is he's really only DH this year. Now, last year in left field, he was adequate for the Milwaukee Brewers. And I think the bar is pretty low because we're talking about replacing Kyle Schwarber in left field. But if the Phillies want to bring back a guy that gets on base, is right-handed, hits, you know, it will hit 20 home runs this year, and we know he has a history and he liked it here, I, I mean, I, I think it can take a worse idea, worse Tucker, than bringing back Andrew McCutcheon for a, a playoff run. Yeah, it would certainly be a fun story. And, you know, a, a lot of people still upset with Kyle Schwarber in the leadoff spot. Like Andrew McCutcheon does profile as a, a top of the order bat. That's what he was when he was here and really throughout most of his career. So he offers a lot of versatility. Um, you could put him down at the bottom of the order. You could put him at the top. Um, he's getting on base, like you mentioned, ridiculous clip. It's just how much outfield does he have left? Because you kind of remember the last time he played outfield full time was when he was here uh, a couple years ago. And, even that felt tough to watch at times. And now watching Kyle Schwarber kind of fumble around like a little leaguer, maybe we miss it and, and maybe it isn't actually that bad. Maybe, maybe we, you know, 
have a little bit of a different perspective watching him, but he's only played seven games in the outfield this season. He's played 60 innings. And listen, like if you get this guy at the deadline and you're only asking him to play the outfield for two months, plus a postseason run, like you weren't asking a whole lot. That's not a lot uh, of physical strain on his body, but I often wonder, you know, or I also wonder there's a lot of magic between him and Pittsburgh. Like you kind of watch the interviews. He just likes being back. It, it feels kind of, like a curtain call, one last go around Andrew McCutcheon in Pittsburgh. He's famous there. He's happy there. Obviously, he doesn't have a no trade clause, but I wonder if there's kind of just a deal that I'm just going to hang out here. I'm going to DH. I'll play left field once a week, and this is how it's going to go out for me. I don't really necessarily need to get back to October. Could be, and it could be one of those things where the Pirates just don't want to move him because it's he's good for business, and they are you know, in the race, I guess, you know, in the, in the NL central mix, they don't have to give up on their season or tell anyone they're giving up. I, I think the exercise we did here today, there's not the corner outfield market. If the Phillies want to go that way, it's not robust. They're, they're not going to find a Paul Goldschmidt kind of player in the outfield. They're just not. I mean, Thomas is the best one. He's going to cost a lot because he has team control. He's only 27. Duvall's probably the most logical one, but as Tucker pointed out, he hasn't hit since he came back from the IL and he's older. And McCutcheon is the best story but we don't know if the Pirates even want to trade him where he wants to go. So this makes some sense. And if Harper could play first, I could see the Phillies grabbing a left fielder and saying this makes our team overall better. But it's it's kind of an imperfect market here. But Lane Thomas, Adam Duvall, and Andrew McCutcheon, three names to keep an eye on as we get close to the MLB trade deadline. And the Phillies look for a right-handed bat that gets on base and hits for power. Appreciate everyone listening, watching. Back tomorrow on WIP Daily. Follow the podcast, get your podcast, and, of course, the 94 WIP YouTube page. Thank you for listening.